So this morning we continue talking about decision-making and um, how we're called, as, as we heard in the children's message too, to be concerned for others when we make our decisions. Now, of course, we're called to be obedient to the prodding and the working of the Holy Spirit. But as we read from Acts 21, 1-16 in a moment, take note of the interesting tension occurring in this chapter. People hear from the Holy Spirit that Paul is in trouble. And if he goes to Jerusalem, he will be in more trouble. And so out of concern, what they're doing is they're warning him not to go to Jerusalem. And yet Paul, who's hearing from the same Holy Spirit, makes his way eventually into Jerusalem. And so this seems a bit contradictory. Did they make, all make the correct decision or did they not? Or is there something more going on in this passage that we read about? So before we read from Acts 21, let's come to our God in prayer, asking for the Holy Spirit's work in our listening, in our obedience in that listening as well. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your work and your word. And we pray that as we read from your holy word again this morning, that you will bless the reading and the message that follows. And we want to understand what you are speaking to us today and how we can make informed and godly decisions today for your kingdom, for your glory, so that we can make decisions finding out what pleases you. And it's only in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Acts 21, 1 through 16. And it starts off by saying, after we, and the we is Luke, who is the author of the book of Acts, so he's talking about himself, we, and Paul and other followers. So after we had torn ourselves away from them, we put out to sea and sailed straight to Kos. The next day we went to Rhodes and from there to Patara. We found a ship crossing over Phoenicia, went on board and set sail. After sighting Cyprus and passing to the south of it, we sailed on to Syria, We landed at Tyre, where our ship was to unload its cargo. We sought out the disciples there and stayed with them for seven days. And through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. When it was time to leave, we left and continued on our way. All of them, including wives and children, accompanied us out of the city. And there on the beach, we knelt to pray. After saying goodbye to each other, we went aboard the ship and they returned home. We continued our voyage from Tyre and landed at Ptolemy, where we greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed with them for a day. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip, the evangelist, one of the seven, and he had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea, and coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and his feet with it, and said, The Holy Spirit says, in this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand them over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he would not be dissuaded... We gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. After this, we started on our way to Jerusalem, and some of the disciples from Caesarea accompanied us and brought us to the home of Nason, where we were to stay. He was a man from Cyprus and one of the early disciples. This is the word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. Well, decisions are easy to make when everyone around you agrees with you. But have, have you ever made a decision, and you probably have, where you are sure that it's the right thing to do, and yet the many people around you are convincing you not to go ahead with your decision? And they're giving you legitimate reasons. And so you've made this decision, and yet you hear some contradictions. And so then you still have two choices before you now. The one choice is that you decide to agree with the majority around you, and often that makes sense. And the other choice is that you decide not to agree with the majority's voice, and you go with your initial decision. And this will happen from time to time. And when it does, you kind of second-guess yourself. Maybe it was buying that brand-new car when everyone else was saying, no, don't do it. Buy used. Or maybe deciding to stay home from school when others say, no, you need to go to school. Years ago, Michelle and I made a decision together for me to leave my calling as an accountant and go back to school full-time for ministry and then enter into full-time parish ministry. But when we made our decision public, many of our close friends and family members were not in agreement with our decision. And that was tough. We didn't have the agreement, and it could have easily made us second-guess our decision. We felt strongly that we were doing the Lord's will, and so we maintained our course, as difficult as that was going to be. And we did end up receiving people's encouragement and support. In this passage of Acts 21, we have one Holy Spirit and yet two different conclusions with respect to decision-making. Various people groups are persuading Paul not to go to Jerusalem, and yet Paul states over and over again that he will go. In fact, in Acts 20, before our reading, Acts 20, verse 22, he says he is compelled by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. So in our reading, verse 1 uses the phrase, after we had torn ourselves away from them, and the context of this verse follows up from chapter 20, where Paul is in Miletus and saying goodbye to the elders from Ephesus and saying that they will not see him again. And he's referring to his traveling to Jerusalem and indicating that he will likely have hardships in Jerusalem and maybe death. So the people there are grieving this. And they're saying, don't go. And yet, they eventually release him to travel on. And as Paul continues his travels with Luke, again, we read in verse 4 that Paul again comes to a group of people in Tyre, and through the Spirit, they urge Paul not to go to Jerusalem. And Paul continues on his travels to Jerusalem. And so they, too, obviously release him on his way. Verse 12, Paul is in Caesarea, and the prophet Agabus, he makes a hundred-kilometer trip from Judea to Caesarea to ask Paul for his belt. And then what he, does, what he does with his belt, he ties his own hands and legs up with Paul's belt. Now, how he did that is beyond my understanding. But he did this to show the danger that Paul will encounter when he travels to Jerusalem. Paul 
will be bound like this in Jerusalem. And as we read on, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Paul's followers, and even Luke, because it says we, pleaded with Paul to put Jerusalem out of his mind. And we get to the end of the narrative in verses 14 and 15, where the people say, the Lord's will be done. And after this, we started on our way to Jerusalem. Again, it was earlier in Acts 20, verse 22, Paul stated, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem. So here we read this morning about people making decisions that are in line with the Holy Spirit's guidance, and yet the conclusion appears that it has two different outcomes. Should I stay or should I go now? Stay away from Jerusalem or go to Jerusalem? There seems to be a contradiction in this passage of what the Spirit is saying to the various groups of people, including to Luke and to Paul. Because some of Paul's followers made a decision through the Spirit's promptings to encourage Paul not to go to Jerusalem. And yet Paul, through the same Spirit's prompting, decides not to heed their warning, and again he's compelled to go to Jerusalem anyways. Could both opposing decisions be following God's will? How do we reconcile this? Well, here we have it. The majority of the people were telling Paul not to go. So should Paul not be listening to the majority? Well, obviously not always. In this case, it's clearly not about the majority. It's about God's will. Or as Paul would state in his letter to the church of Ephesus in Ephesians 5.10, we're called to find out what pleases our God. So decision-making is not always easy. Well, actually, maybe decision-making is. Making the right decision is not always easy. And decision-making is not taking the road about taking the road that, that's going to be the easiest. Because if Paul decided to stay, that would have been way easier than facing probable persecution and imprisonment in Jerusalem. So there are tensions in decisions that we make, even when we listen to the Spirit's promptings. So let's take a look at a couple of things that's going on in this passage this morning. The first thing is that there is not, there is not a contradiction with the Holy Spirit. There cannot be a contradiction with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would not bring about disunity. In fact, the Holy Spirit creates unity. But having said this, diversity is also a gift from the Holy Spirit. And so here we have it in Acts 21. We do have diverse opinions. But the Holy Spirit will not give contradicting advice. The Holy Spirit is consistent in saying that this is what will happen to Paul if he goes to Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit is informing all parties that Paul will be handed over to the Gentiles and he will be imprisoned. Paul will have hardships in Jerusalem. It will not be easy for Paul if he goes to Jerusalem. So in all situations, the Holy Spirit is providing the outcome that will occur in Jerusalem. Having said that, 
the interpretation of the Holy Spirit's promptings by the people, the interpretation was that Paul should not go to Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit didn't say, do not go to Jerusalem. This was the people's interpretation. So then we got to ask ourselves, were the people being disobedient to the Holy Spirit then? Well, I don't think the point is in this passage to come down hard on the people for maybe having a wrong interpretation, especially since the Lord's will be done. You see, the people did not make this interpretation and conclusion for Paul to stay away from Jerusalem based on personal and selfish reasons. They did not make this decision for themselves. They made this decision for the concern and care of the other. In this case, for Paul. They made the decision with finding out what pleases their Lord. The common thread here for all parties is concern for the other. People are not being disobedient to God when they are following God's commands of love God and love one another. The people are showing love and concern for Paul. They didn't want Paul to suffer. And Paul too. Paul too is showing love and concern for the people who need to hear the gospel message in Jerusalem. Paul also wanted to go there to celebrate God's faithfulness with the church in Jerusalem. He wanted to be there for what's called the Feast of Pentecost, and you can read that in Acts 20, verse 16. He wanted to celebrate with the church of Jerusalem their 28th anniversary. And it's just an interesting note, because between Acts 2 and Acts 21, the story that we read today, there's been 28 years that have occurred from the story of Pentecost to the 28th anniversary of Pentecost. The groups of people and Paul heard the same spirit. They had the same narrative, but they concluded with different interpretations of what the spirit was saying. And so the people, as we said, strongly discouraged Paul from going to Jerusalem. But after all that discussion, they did release him and understand that There's more at work here. And in the end, Paul went to Jerusalem. And in the end, the people said, the Lord's will be done. Both parties are making decisions with others in mind. And that brings glory to God. That pleases the Lord. And ultimately, God's will be done. And the people acknowledged that as well as Paul left them. And and even though they were weeping at times, and they still released him. In the children's message this morning that was shared from Fred, we got a glimpse of the storms that tore through our communities last week's Sunday. And again, it was shared how people had concern for one another. The community and the community of saints showed concern for one another. And praise God for that. We saw that throughout the week. It was so cool. We've also been showing the concern throughout COVID-19. People are showing concern and compassion and care for one another. People are loving one another. And through that, they are loving God. In Acts 21, all parties are doing what appears right for the others. So the principle behind this is to always have concern for others in mind. And ultimately, the Lord's will be done. And they're not throwing their hands up in the air like saying, oh, the Lord's will be done. Okay, fine. No, the Lord's will be done. Praise the Lord that his will is done. 
What appears to be contradictory in this passage is not contradictory at all because both are looking out for the care of the other. The decisions we make, of course, will impact ourselves. Of course, Paul made a decision to go. He's going to be impacted by going to Jerusalem. And we need to be aware of the decisions that we make and how that impacts ourselves. But our decisions will also, also greatly impact others. And so we have to come to a God-pleasing decision, even if, at times, it may not end up being the right decision, such as don't go to Jerusalem. There's a story from the Wall Street Journal about a fellow named Freddie Fulcrum. Freddie, this Freddie guy, he weighed everything too carefully. He would say, on the one hand, um, we can look at things like this, but then on the other hand, well, um, we should be looking at things like this. And his arguments weighed out so evenly, Freddie was never able to decide anything. So when Freddie died, they carved a big zero on his tombstone because he could never make a decision. The journal went on to say about this decision-making, you have to decide. And they went on to say, you have to decide to fish or cut bait because one thing is clear, if you can't decide, you're definitely not going to have fish for dinner. You'll have a big fat zero before you. A quote from a professor who once said, not to decide is to decide not to. We have to make decisions. All the time we're making decisions. But if we're so afraid to make the wrong ones, people will never learn faith. We won't learn from our failures. We won't grow spiritually. So it seems to me that from this passage that sometimes bad decisions are okay. I'm not referring to reckless or careless decisions, okay? But decisions with God and his people in mind. They're okay. Even if they turn out not right. That means they're wrong. So perhaps even the wrong decisions will teach the ones making the decision a little more wisdom. People will learn and ultimately make the right decision as the people in this passage, they released Paul. Perhaps the wrong decision will teach the ones impacted by the decision a little more grace. Again, learning that happens. Too often, like Freddie, we're worried to make a decision, even sometimes the simplest of decisions. When we make decisions with the other person in mind, not our own wills, that will bring glory to God. The church leaders of Ephesus and the people of Tyre and Caesarea, they did hear rightly from the Holy Spirit. If Paul was going to go to Jerusalem, he was going to get himself into trouble. Again, it was the people's interpretation for him not to go. They made their decision, and Paul made his decision, and the Lord's will was done. The people were assuming that Paul should take the easy path. This meant that if he was going to get beat up, it makes sense not to go, right? But according to Paul, the Lord's will is that he must go, despite the hardships that he's going to be confronted with. And again, in the end, 
all the people released him. Yes, with tears, probably with some more challenges, but they released Paul to go to Jerusalem. The Lord's will be done. This is clearly a story of loving God and loving one another and recognizing when we do that, God's will be done. Even if it appears that the conclusion might be even different from God's conclusion. Now, our decisions still have to be made with wisdom. They still need to be made with prayer and with God and his people in mind. We need to continue to find out what pleases the Lord. And our decisions can appear very right at times, and yet perhaps still not according to God's plan. Luke, the author, also tried to dissuade Paul to stay. But again, in the end, Luke stuck with Paul's decision and the Lord's will, and Luke too went to Jerusalem with Paul. So maybe we have to recognize that in our decision-making, we might not always do things right. But the important thing is that God will do it right. God will do things right always. And so we need to confess our shortcomings. And we need to thank God for his will to be done. Decades earlier than Paul's decision to go to Jerusalem, another person made a decision to go to Jerusalem. We read in Luke 9, verse 51, um, Luke writes, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Jesus, too, made the decision to go to Jerusalem. And this was going to be his final trip into the city. And he knew what was in store for him. Jesus didn't take the easy path. And if his disciples really understood what was going to happen, it is likely out of love and concern, they would have prevented Jesus from going to Jerusalem, too. But Jesus went with his Father's will in mind. Jesus was then bound by the Jews in Jerusalem, and he was handed over to be crucified. The Lord's will be done, even when it seems to be beyond our understanding. But Jesus going to Jerusalem brought about forgiveness of all sins. Jesus going to Jerusalem brought about reconciliation between God and us. Jesus going to Jerusalem led to fulfillment of prophecies and led to his death and to his resurrection. Jesus going to Jerusalem was God's will be done, not our own wills. And people may have had concern for Jesus entering into Jerusalem, and rightfully so. But Jesus had concern for all his people. And so Jesus made the decision to go into Jerusalem because of his love for you and to save you. You see, God had bigger plans for Paul. God had bigger plans for Jesus. God has big plans for his people. And there's, a, there's one decision that you cannot go wrong with. And that's the decision to follow Jesus. To follow Jesus who made the decision to save you. So make a decision to love God and love his people and continue to show concern for all God's people and pray the Lord's will be done on earth as it is in heaven in all of our decisions
that we make today and beyond. To God be the glory, and we find out what pleases him, and together we say, Amen. Let's pray. Father, you call us to follow your will and to be obedient to you. And yet you allow us to make decisions on our own. And as we make decisions, may we have you and your people in mind. And recognizing even that may lead to a wrong decision. But we continue to pray that your will be done. Bless each of us as we constantly make decisions throughout our day and throughout our life. And may we decide to follow you and to lead others into a relationship with Jesus by sharing the gospel of grace. Lord, we thank you for this day that you have made for your people. A day in which we can come before you together as your people to worship you. We thank you for the gifts of your people who contribute to the work of your church here at Exeter. And we thank you for office bearers, for those office bearers whose terms are ending, for those office bearers whose terms are continuing, and other office bearers whose terms will be beginning shortly. We thank you too for staff and many volunteers in the ministry that each person does. We thank you for those who offer their financial gifts and prayers for the body of your people. And so, Lord, we come before you now with our petitions, and we pray for those who are experiencing loss, whether it be physical losses such as mobility or certain other senses, or perhaps loss of employment or other things in our day-to-day activities. We pray for those who lost items with the storms last week, and we pray for the Knipp family as they strive to get things back in order. We pray for those who are deeply affected by loss of loved ones, whether months or years gone by or whether very recent. And we lift up Scott and Wendy and Stephanie and Nathan and Tim and Joy and Alice and their families. May each person feel your presence in their lives. We pray for those in our midst who are struggling physically, perhaps with cancer or other illnesses. And some are having treatments or certain medications. And we continue to lift up Troy and Stefan and Martha. And we pray too for those who struggle with mental illness and depression and anxiety. Surround your people with your presence and your grace. And we pray for others who are struggling in silence. You, Lord, know all that's going on in the lives of your people, and we lift these needs before you. And Lord, we pray for families and caregivers of all those we've mentioned as well. Be near to them and provide them patience and surround them with your love. And may they too feel the community of the saints around them, showing their concern and their love to one another. Lord, we pray for the Christian Reformed denomination, and we pray for the leaders and for the many employees and volunteers in various aspects of ministry. And we also pray for other denominations and other churches in our communities, all striving together to build your kingdom here on earth. Lord, we pray for the leaders of our towns and municipalities, our provinces, and our country. Provide them wisdom and discernment in the decisions that they make, and especially during this time of pandemic. We pray for areas that are torn by war and areas that are ravaged with disease and death. And we pray for areas who have not heard the gospel message We pray for those who've heard the message and have chosen not to listen. And Lord, we also pray for those who live in areas of persecution. Provide them grace to endure all that is before them. Lord, we are all in need of your grace and your mercy. And we thank you that in our weakness, your power is made perfect. We thank you that your grace is sufficient for us. And may we surrender our all to you. And it's only in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.